the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no control. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us here on AM 1280 The Patriot every Saturday night from 6 p.m. to 6.30, where K-12 through education is the playing field. And as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so succinctly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm your host, Mark Durkin, joined by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hegstrom. Yeah, good evening once again. It's a good evening indeed. Yes, nice Nice to to be here again with Dr. Shaw. Oh, what a fantastic interview we had last week. Yes, looking forward to this one. Yes, absolutely. In fact, the 2021 election season just came to an end in the last couple of weeks, but the debates that are surrounding many issues across the state and the country, they are just getting started. In fact, Midterm elections, they're just 12 months away, and Minnesotans will vote in next year's gubernatorial race. And our guest tonight says it's time for a new playbook, and he's running for the Republican nomination for governor because of his deep concern for the state, fueled by failed leadership from career politicians who are continuously failing Minnesotans. That's right. So as I said, joining us in studio again tonight is uh, Dr. Neil Shaw. He is a husband, father, physician, business owner, and son of immigrants. He says that he's running for governor because he believes Minnesota is worth saving. Uh, Dr. Shaw, I want to thank you again for joining us in studio this evening. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it was fun to get to know a little bit about your background and your family coming from India. Mm -hmm. Your parents immigrated here in 1969, I believe you said. Mm -hmm. And uh, you went through public school education starting in 1985 or so. You were born in the 80s, I guess. And and you had a really wonderful school experience in Chicago in a public school setting. And and you've now had a little concern uh, here in Minnesota with your own children and um, with a lot of things. So we talked a lot last week about schools and what have you. And we ended by talking briefly about the FAIR organization called uh, Standing for Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. And they are a national organization that is um, trying to promote pro-human values. And their whole notion is that they want to take back the words that the left has used in with respect to critical race theory, um, the word racism, um, you know, anti-racism. Uh, they've really changed the meaning of those words to being wokeness and what have you. So one of the things that I'd like you to talk about a little bit in terms of redefining language is that the CRT proponents tend to use the word equity a lot instead of equality. 
can you share with our listeners what their meaning is of the term equal or equity in terms of equal outcomes? What are they really looking for um, when they use those terms? Yeah, I mean, the first technique of the left is to redefine or destroy language. Mm -hmm. You eliminate things, concepts, man, woman, equity, education. So it's very important for people to understand that while equity might sound nice, it is really a very loaded code word that has different meanings than what you would think. What we'd Mm -hmm. say is, well, yeah, we want there to be equity in opportunity. That's called equality of opportunity. Mm -hmm. And it is, after the civil rights era, insured to every American, Mm -hmm. that every American has the opportunity but not the guarantee of participating in society and of achieving their dreams. Mm -hmm. But we're all born different. Um, you don't want to see an NBA that's full of Indian American basketball right. players, okay? <laughs> like we have many things that we're good at. That's not one of them. Uh, but in an equity world, whatever our fraction of the population was, you'd be forced to have that many uh, Indian Americans on your basketball team. And that's not the right way to do things. That's not the American way, and that's not the way that leads to a better, more verdant society. So equality of opportunity says – we should try to get everyone to the same starting line, mm-hmm. realizing that we all have different skills, different aptitudes, different abilities. Equity, on the other hand, ensures that if we don't all finish that 100-yard dash at the same time, then it must be something that is systemically wrong that did it. And it's either your race is wrong or you're oppressing somebody or this or that. Mm-hmm. It seeks to impose equal outcomes. It is essentially socialism or communism. Mm -hmm. And that does not lead to human thriving. Mm -hmm. The 20th century was an experiment in whether or not that concept could work. And it turns out it just leads to tens of millions of people dead and a lack of economic opportunity for the remainder. Um, Because humans are fundamentally unequal in abilities. You want to create a system that allows people to rise and thrive based on their effort. So that's the current model of the left. They want equity. They don't want people to get A's and F's. They want everyone to get a C. Mm -hmm. And I want an environment where you can get an A or you can get an F based on how much talent you have and how hard you work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And on that note, uh, not only are they not wanting, not only are they wanting everybody to get C's, but they're also doing it arbitrarily. Uh, their grading system to try to show that people really are getting C's, even though they're getting A's, which I know this sounds is a little bit confusing, but with the equity grading, they literally will take a student who gets a 9 out of 10 and give them, for instance, a 3 at the top of their page, where a student who gets 4 out of 10 might also get a 3 at the top of their page. And then what goes on their report card, mm-hmm. right? The C. And um, this is something that I think a lot of parents aren't aware is happening across our school districts, even here in Minnesota. The equity grading is becoming very common, and it's not always clear as to how it's being done. So I think parents aren't always aware of what's happening to to kind of create that equal outcome, mm-hmm. even though we know still ultimately there is the child that did well and the child that didn't do well when they get out in the real world. Yeah, the, the reality is going to hit them. It is. And, and, but, you know, what they want to do is wokeify corporations. So I, I assume their end game would be right. that you can no longer stratify people based right. on, yes. on how well they do. Yeah. But, but the reality is, yes, these kids are going to hit um, adulthood and they're going to find themselves woefully unprepared for the real world mm-hmm. where there is really no coddling. Yes. You know, if you start a business and you don't have the skills to run that business well, you're going to fail. Yeah. 
and there's no equity police that's going to swoop in and, and help you out. Right. And it also um, it's it really is this bigotry against people who should not should be elevated as opposed to being told no matter how hard you work, you will never achieve the same thing. Right. What about? Those black physicians who had a 4.0 GPA and went to Harvard and earned it all on their own. Right. Right. This is the dark side of you know th- these kinds of policies. As everyone looks at them, and be like, "Well, did you earn it? Yeah, did you really earn did it? Did you really mm-hmm. earn it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I did really mm-hmm. earn it." Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really is is sad that soft bigotry of low expectations. And yeah. we, we have to push back on this push to equity. So the goal again is to get people to the same starting line. Now realizing that. Certain families have more means. Mm-hmm. Certain families have less means. And it is totally reasonable. And this is what people on the right want to do is to try to do things to help get those kids the extra enrichment they right. need if they only have one parent at home or if they're in a tough place economically yes. or they can't afford their books. Absolutely. Everyone's 100% on the same boat trying to do that. Yeah. But once they're there, mm-hmm. people are kind of shake out at different levels and also realize that even if you get everyone to the same place, some People may not try as hard. They just may not be cut out to be a neurosurgeon or an astronaut or an NBA player. Right. And people are going to just be different because that's how we were made, mm-hmm. slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Let's turn our focus now to the school board elections that uh, that uh, wrapped up uh, two weeks ago. They were held on November 2nd. You know, from what you're hearing within uh, your campaign circle, how, how do those candidates running, say, against critical race theory and, and equity education, how did they fare as a whole? And what do the results of these school board elections tell us about the direction of the state as it pertains to the state's public school systems, if any? Yeah, people fought back, and I think we did pretty darn well. There's certainly some victories I wish we had. You know, 196, at Bloomington were, right. were unfortunate losses. But there's some really big victories, like Anoka Hennepin, which leans quite blue, mm-hmm. selecting by a landslide a candidate in Audette who is very anti-CRT. So if I was the left, I'd be very concerned about this. Here's yeah. someone who leaned in, like literally on his sign, CRT was bigger than his name, you know, stop CRT. Mm-hmm. And he wins in a landslide in a blue district. Mm-hmm. This issue is resonating with parents no matter how hard the left tries to gaslight. So if you didn't win this time, Stay at it. Get out there. Build those networks. Build those fundraising connections and keep running. Mm-hmm. We have to save the public school system. Even I tell people who um, whose kids are no longer in the public school system, you, this is your fight. You have to yes. fight. You have to vote. You have to donate. I voted. I agree. And, and we have to improve public schools. We can't just let it yes. go. And there's right. people willing to give the time mm-hmm. and take the punches on the chin to be on the school board. We have to be there to support them as they try to improve their public schools. Mm-hmm. I'll, just, I'll just add this point, too. I know uh, one of the candidates that we had on a couple of weeks ago was talking about in his uh, door-to-door knocking that Right away, he was asked, okay, I just want to know, where do you stand on critical race theory? And when he gave his answers, like, that's all I needed to know. You have my vote. So people are definitely paying attention. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. it is interesting because usually you're told, stay away from the controversial issues, Mm -hmm. you know. But um, those that leaned in to to that issue in particular really did rise up above the others. Absolutely. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was good. So when you're on your campaign website, um, you state as governor, or the, if you win the governorship, of course, um, that you would prevent our children from being indoctrinated by the radical left into hateful, racist ideologies. What does that commitment actually look like in a time when there are deep divisions in our state and in our country, and that civil disobedience is kind of the growing response uh, to the protest against the bitter disagreements we have right now? I think the first 
the first part of that is to not be nice about what CRT is. Mm -hmm. It really is racism. Racism is defined as trying to create systems in governance typically that favor one race or another. So there, with the exception of affirmative action, there is no longer systemic racism in America. But mm -hmm. affirmative action is systemic racism. And CRT seeks to have additional purposeful racial discrimination mm -hmm. against whites and Asians um, simply because their test scores tend to be higher. Mm -hmm. And that is un-American, and that is a violation of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So we have to push back onto what CRT actually is, and we have to say that we will not allow this indoctrination to happen in our schools. Would we allow uh, any other type of racial indoctrination in our schools, Nazism or anything like mm -hmm. that? No, mm -hmm. absolutely not. Right. But yet we allow this philosophy in that teaches that whites are oppressors, even if they've never done anything bad, and blacks are victims doomed to fail. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of racism that we cannot have in our schools. Mm -hmm. And it does promote hate. I would urge all of your listeners, if they haven't already, to, to read Chris Rufo's work on mm -hmm. this topic as a great primer, mm -hmm. because the left will dissemble about what this is. But when you look at the actual source documents, when you look at the emails and the books and the libraries and the policies being enacted in schools, how they're segregating kids, creating spaces where certain races cannot be in them, right. that is... Is racist. It's racist. I know. It's, it's, it's the colored so waiting backwards. room all over again. I know. Again. This is where I, I, I have such a hard time with this because the very thing they say they're trying to prevent, they are actually doing in in a larger measure than has been seen since prior to really even board Brown versus the Board of Education. Right. Um, you know, I've heard stories of students going on field trip, being separated by white and black, and black students get to go on a field trip to some special place, and the white kids are stuck in a classroom doing a study hall. Um, that's right here in Minnesota. So, and that's in a private school, actually. Wow. So, you know, just just because it's private doesn't necessarily mean it's avoiding this whole uh, critical race theory. But mm -hmm. it is very interesting that the very notion of trying to prevent systemic racism is actually happening in such a way that they're actually creating systemic racism or mm -hmm. enabling ongoing systemic racism. Well, well they want to. So Ibram yeah. Kendi actually says the only answer for past racism is present racism. The only answer for present yeah. racism is future racism. They're not yeah. hiding That's the all ball. They want. They're saying <laughs> right. we want racism. Right. We, we right. want it. And, mm -hmm. and now how, why and how should yeah. we be teaching that to our kids? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, and that's where you start to believe that this is really just Marxism wrapped up in, you know, new clothes mm -hmm. and trying to sneak it in under a different umbrella. And hopefully people don't notice until it's too late. And, um, you know, I'm very interested in the fact that this whole oppressors versus oppressed group, um, it is just so much like the proletariat and the bourgeois and Marxism. And you don't see a whole lot of difference other than the fact that there isn't um, military involvement at this point, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And uh, we pray that that never happens, you know. But uh, it is it is concerning to see the direction it's going. Well, Marxism used, uh, you know, economic class struggle. Right. This is just a yeah. different vector Type, that, they're, yes, exactly. that they're using. They're using race yep. in place of it. In place and of they're it, trying yeah. to saying we want to level the playing field because we have identified this difference. Yeah, yeah. That's why I say it's like Marxism wrapped up in new, yeah. in new clothes, mm -hmm. yeah, new packaging. Mm -hmm. Well, lots of uh, lots of topics and issues to get. I know. We've spent a lot of <laughs> good quality time on critical race theory. I do want to uh, just go ahead and, and segue over to the wearing of masks. Mm -hmm. You know, for prolonged mm -hmm. periods of time. You know, you're seeing 
countless kids, still eight hours a day, five days a week, 170, 180 school days out of the year. What doesn't get much coverage, though, are some of the physical health problems that are developing as a result of chronic mask wearing. You know, for example, I've spoken to orthodontists, and they've told me that, you know, they're warning that mask mouth is increasingly causing inflammation Mm -hmm. and gum disease among patients, which can lead to serious health complications, including strokes and increased risk of heart attacks. As a dermatologist within your practice, are you seeing an influx of people as a result of chronic mask wearing? And, and what advice are you giving to people, especially students that are in puberty and adolescents who are expected to continue wearing masks for entire school days? Yeah, it's a challenge. I mean, to start with the basics, there's there's no evidence that uh, that masking does anything uh, yeah. against an influenza-like illness or an aerosol-based disease, which is what COVID is. So there's no benefit. I testified in front of my school board. I was given one minute, and then I was summarily one dismissed. Minute. One minute. They told me I'd have three, and then they cut it down to one. <laughs> yeah. And I was the only physician who apparently can still understand scientific papers. So I was the only doctor on that side saying, like, look, I have all the randomized control trials. I'd be happy to share them with you. I'd have mm-hmm. walk you through this data. Right. No, goodbye. Thank you for your time. So masks don't period. Mm-hmm. And there's ample uh, basic science data all the way to epidemiological data to support that. So let's start with the basics. The anti-science left wants your kids in masks. Now, what are the downsides? Developmentally, under a certain age. And to be clear, these developmental harms are so well documented that Europe never masked their kids under a certain age, right. ever. Right. Yes. So what, what science yeah. are we following here? Right. Not, not that. Um, in terms of dermatologic issues, maskne is the classic thing. So this is either a variant mm. of rosacea or acne that's caused by a change in the microbiome on the lower part of the face due to increased humidity and skin barrier breakdown from having that mask on. The skin's not meant to be wet other than mm. mucosal surfaces. And so when that happens chronically, the top layer of the skin breaks down and the bacteria can overgrow and you have inflammation and you have all these issues. Hmm. There's also a reason that, you know, mouth breather is an insult, not a compliment. And so that's also when we talk about from dentistry, orthodontia standpoint, the mouth really should be closed. You should be breathing through your nose the majority of the time. Kids breathe through their mouth. They have a mask Mm -hmm. on. Um, So there really is no great answer for this other than to pull your kids out of a school if they make them wear a mask Um, because there's no benefit developmentally for younger kids. There's definitely going to be harms in terms of reading expressions, seeing faces. One of the most terrible images I remember from uh, when my son went back to school last year was he had a picture. He drew a picture of his teacher, Uh and there was this gray blob over the whole lower face. And I was like, who is this? And he said, this is my teacher. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it it was shattering. It's really – yeah, it really opens your eyes to what he's seeing his world – that, that's right. Through. That's what oh, my wow. teacher looks like. That's yeah. what your teacher looks like. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's really powerful. And he he was young, too, wasn't he? Was he was young. Yeah, he was kindergarten. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, let's turn our attention also to COVID vaccines. So on a related topic, uh, what is the data? What are the data and studies um, that suggesting concerning the efficacy of immunity as a result of taking the COVID vaccine versus natural immunity that comes as a result of prior infection? without having taken the vaccine. So we'll start some basics for kids since we're just talking about kids. Um, It's unclear if any or more than maybe perhaps a couple dozen healthy children have died under the age of 18 in the United States. From COVID. From COVID. Mm -hmm. So the typical number that's used is 500. Okay. So 45% of those, according to the CDC, died with COVID. Mm -hmm. This is, I was in a car accident or something happened, may I fall off a ladder, swab me, 
because the hospital gets paid more if they have COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, they died with COVID. All right, so let's take away half of those. We're down to 250. The overwhelming majority of those kids had advanced solid organ tumors, leukemias, profoundly immune suppressed from autoimmune disease, uh, developmental issues, or three or more comorbidities. So asthma, mm-hmm. obesity, diabetes, okay? So, you know, according to uh, Marty Macri at Johns Hopkins, it's unclear whether any healthy kids have died. Now, zero is a tough number to defend. So I'd say, sure. let's just say it's 100, mm-hmm. Okay. 10 times that many kids die in backyard pools every year. Right. And so when we talk about the relative risk to kids, it is probably riskier to put your kid on a bus and have that bus drive to school or to drive your kid to school for Mm -hmm. a year in aggregate risk than their risk of dying of COVID. Mm -hmm. So that is the risk that we're trying to now find a benefit for. Mm -hmm. So if that risk is, say, one in a million or somewhere between one in 100,000 and one in a million, now, ideally, you'd have a vaccine that has a safety margin 10 to 100 times greater. Right. Because that's the current safety margin to mm-hmm. make it worth it. Because mm-hmm. that's the current safety margin for the typical childhood vaccines. They're 10 to 100 times reducing the risk of death versus the complication risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to power that type of study, you would need hundreds of thousands of children followed over a period of years. And a, the, an actual gold standard study. A gold standard study <laughs> with a control group. Right, with a control group. So the FDA. Uh, saw fit to approve this vaccine for kids when the control group has been wiped out. I don't think people understand that. So the, the Pfizer Pfizer wiped out their control group in adults and they wiped out their control group in kids. They crossed them over and the FDA let them do this because it was quote unquote too unethical to continue to have a control group for disease with a 99.9% survival rate. Mm-hmm. So now we will never have a control group to compare side effects against. And it becomes much harder if you're relying only on VAERS data or you're relying on population level rates of clots and heart mm-hmm. attacks and myocarditis to compare. This was not done by accident. Also, when they talk about a 90% benefit, these aren't endpoints we care about. What are the endpoints we care about? Death, hospitalization. Mm-hmm. They used mild to moderate infection yeah. As, and, and define like those like having for me. a cold. Yes, <laughs> right. yes. You were ill for a couple of days and <laughs> right. had a fever and felt pretty terrible, and, mm-hmm. and now you're fine. Mm-hmm. And they never carried the study out long enough to detect side effects. So, for example, myocarditis, it didn't become clear that that was an issue up until you got four to six months out. And then people started looking backwards at the data in the database and say, whoa, 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 whoa. This exists, and it's real. Mm-hmm. Months later. Mm-hmm. So- you know, the only short-term side effect you can say is that the rate of anaphylaxis is X, mm-hmm. right? The rate of immediate complications is Y. Right. But you have no idea about myocarditis. We know that it's at least one in 5,000. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what the long-term consequences of having inflammation of the heart or the sac around the heart pericarditis are. Right. So again, let's go back to our original thing. The risk of death or severe illness is one in 100,000, one in a million, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And we want a one in a million risk of side effects. There is no one, even the people who approve this, who would say that the risk of of side effects is less than one in a million. It's more than that. Mm-hmm. So what is the net benefit to our children here? Mm-hmm. Now, I think the parents should have the right to choose if they want to vaccinate their child. I have been very much pro-health freedom and have said that there are groups for whom there is a significant net benefit to this vaccination. But on the issue of childhood vaccine vaccination, there is no equivocating. If you are a healthy child, do not get this vaccine at mm. this time. Mm. If the disease changes and gets worse for kids, if the long-term vaccine data becomes apparent that it is safe, 
if we get some new vaccine technology that proves to be 10 times safer than the ones we have now or 100 times safer, reassess. But at the present time, there's no reason to take a healthy child and give them between the age of 5 and 11 and give them this vaccine. Hmm. Now, if the kid's unhealthy, it's a different discussion. And this same line of reasoning was had by the the one person who abstained from voting to approve this. And he said... I think there's a use case for these. I just don't think it's in a generally healthy population. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the majority of people who will get this are going to be healthy children without comorbidities. Mm-hmm. So they will only be getting a net risk. Hmm. Boy, that's interesting, isn't it? What about, and I, I don't want to usurp other questions that you have, Mark, but what about the argument that they would be getting it to protect the adults around them? Yeah, that's one of the myths that's persisted from the beginning. Kids don't get it. They don't spread it. And we have ample epidemiologic data to point that out. The fact that when schools reopened before we had the vaccine, you did not have teachers dropping dead. Mm -hmm. You did not have kids giving this to another, one another, in any meaningful amount. And even if they do, the infection is very mild. Mm -hmm. So the entire fact that we are still contact tracing an endemic disease, you don't contact trace endemic diseases. If you have symptoms, you get tested, and you hold yourself out until you recover. And then I would push people to get treated. But we have an endemic disease at this point, and we're still treating it like it's a pandemic, and we are still blaming kids without any data that they are vectors in spreading this disease. And it's because, you know, the teachers' union has said so without any evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. And the teachers' union has had a seat at the table in writing, quote-unquote, scientific memoranda Mm -hmm. from the CDC. Yes, they have. I remember that last year. And it was very disturbing to me to find out that the union could have that type of influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, especially when it's supposed to be follow the science. It's supposed to be science. Yeah. yeah. In fact, Dr. Ben Carson, you know, most Americans know him as the former HUD, Cedric, HUD secretary under former President Trump. Uh, he was the former director of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins uh, Children's Center. And he's really gone on the offensive against the uh, vaccine uh, being administered to children between 5 and 11, saying it's a giant experiment. Um, but now we're hearing reports that Education Minnesota, largest teachers union here in the state, they're calling on state leader, leaders to be bold in mass vaccination efforts. This covered uh, with uh, Governor Waltz offering these $200 incentives for students to get vaccinated. There's definitely somewhat of a push, uh, maybe not directly, but uh, definitely a push for vaccine mandates uh, here in the state of Minnesota. Um, you know, what What do we say to, you know, with the recovery rate again, we said over 99.9% for children. Why is the teachers union completely disregarding the science, this data? What are they motivated by uh, in calling for lawmakers to mandate this? Well, I think they realize that fear is a lever to gain additional control. Yeah. And, and sadly, that is how they view our kids. It's just simply a pawn in a larger bargaining uh, negotiation. And the more fear they can create, the more fear the legacy media can foment, the more fear the elected officials can uh, pass on to the population, the more control they get. Yep. It's about fear and control. And instead, it should be about dissemination of information, freedom, and encouraging people to make the best decisions mm-hmm. for their particular case. And so I don't think the teachers' union is going to back down on this. I think they're going to they're have our kids in masks until the end of time for a disease that we will never get rid of. And once we get rid of this one or suppress it or just call it an endemic disease, just like influenza, right. there'll be another one. And they'll, again, it'll all come back up. Start the whole process so you see this as a fear. continual, this is going to be ongoing, this whole fear-mongering over some type of a pandemic. Authoritarians don't cede power once they have it. Yeah. Not easily. Yeah, yeah. Boy, mm-hmm. all the more reason for people to be involved in the process mm-hmm. of political 
um, elections and, and pushing back on policies and what have you that are are taking away our freedom, especially when they are inconsistent with the true science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we only have a few seconds here left. Um, so, Neil, I just want to say we were so grateful to have you on these last two weeks. And um, once again, let's have you go ahead and say your website so that people can go and find you. Absolutely. Our website is electneil.com, E-L-E-C-T-N-E-I-L.com. On social media, you can find us at Neil Shaw MN. And we need folks to support us, get behind this yeah. campaign, dollars, donors, volunteers. We need all of it. And uh, with your support, we can save save this great state that we all love. Yes, and we do love the state. Well, best wishes to you, Neil. And um, thank you, Mark, once again. It's always a pleasure. It's been pleasure. a great conversation. And again, thank you, Dr. Neil, for coming on yes, the last two weeks. Yes, we're very glad to have had you. So if you want to listen to this podcast or any other podcast of Education America, you can go to savetheclassroom.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you on Sunday or see you on Saturday night, 6 p.m. Good night. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.